why don't you turn in your Bible, we'll go back to uh, Joshua, Joshua 1, and we'll start there. And I just want to make a few comments. First of all, we're very focused on performance today's world and you better you you have to perform you have to do your job well to get paid and and we focus on that and sometimes it's easy to do that in the kingdom of God but when it comes to living for God and serving God doing what God's called you to do something that that's become clear to me is is it's not it's not uh, what makes you most valuable in the kingdom of God is not just how well you can do something not your performance but your endurance in other words how much can you take and still do your job and so when we see people especially in ministry you see their performance you think well I could do that well maybe you could do that but you might not be able to take what they have to take to get there to do that you understand what I mean we focus and practice and work so hard on our performance I believe sometimes we forget that it's going to be endurance it's going to help you make it through because you're not going to do what you do in a vacuum you face opposition every day sometimes you face seasons of opposition that are intense and overwhelming and we've just got to be able to I think we need to spend a little more time on our endurance so that we can stand the pressure and still perform well and still do what God's called us to do. The illustration that I like to use is this one. How many of you can run a hundred yards? You know a hundred yards. I mean, it's from here to the, not even to the back of the church. How many of you could run? Not fast, just... All right, how many of you could run a hundred yards in two and a half hours? Could you do that? Just once. How many of you could do that once a week? And you could do it maybe on a Sunday afternoon for, say, eight or nine months out of the year. Could you do that? You could be an NFL running back and be paid millions of dollars if you can run 100 yards once a week. The best running backs in NFL average 100 yards a week. And they only do it once a week on Sunday afternoons. And it takes two and a half to three hours to do it. Right? When all you focus on is performance, it seems like, hey, I'll do that for a million dollars a year. But there's 11 guys trying to stop them. Big guys. That makes all the difference. So in our kingdom, you can't see the 11 guys, but they're out there. And they try to stop you every day. And you have to realize that sometimes it's not pretty. Sometimes it's not fancy. You don't get scored, you know, style points. It's all about finishing, making it. In order to make it, you've got to have fuel. You've got to have the right stuff inside in order to get where you're going. And we know what that is, don't we? It's God's Word. So Joshua 1.8, we'll just read that again. This book of the law, or the Word of God, shall not quit coming out of your mouth. But you shall meditate in the word day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that's written in it. Then you'll make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. By meditating in the word day and night, by allowing the word to work in you on a daily basis, you'll make your way prosperous, 
and you'll have good success. Now, go with me to Acts, and I want to read a couple of verses there in Acts. God wants nothing more, or nothing less, for His children that they, than that they be successful, that they be prosperous, that they be fruitful, that they do what they've been created to do. Acts 19, in verse 20, So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. The Ephesians gave place to the word. They accepted the preaching of Paul. And by allowing the word in, it grew in their lives and it prevailed. It will do the same for you. As you allow it entrance and as you plant it and water it in your life, it will grow and it will prevail. In other words, it will overcome other things. You don't have to overcome a lot of things by yourself, but the word in you will help you be an overcomer. It's so, I, I believe our success is tied in to the percentage or the amount of word that's working in our hearts. It's not the word you've heard that's going to do it. It's the word you're hearing. It's the word you've got today. Old food won't do you any good today. If you ate three months ago, that's gone. You need fresh manna, fresh food every day. And it's linked to your success. Can you live without it? Obviously, yes, you can. Can you make it through life without it? Yes, but there's a level of success that God has for His people that they can enter into as they meditate in the Word day and night. And we went over this, but the reason that it's so is because there's stuff in the Word of God, nutrients, power, life in the Word that comes out into your body. It even goes into your body. Proverbs 4, 12 says His words are, are life to those that find them and health to all. His Word is health. That must mean there's some sort of healing virtue in the words. They're not ordinary words. They contain life from heaven. They contain the substance of heaven. And it's released when you put it in your spirit. Not in your head, but in your spirit. That's why, that's why that uh, um, literary experts can study the word of God and read it for its literary value and not get a thing out of it. And, they, and even they're impressed with the poetry and the history and all of that. But that's not really what the Word was designed to do. They read it with a veil on. They read it without releasing its true power. That's only reserved for the born-again spirit. And when it's put in the born-again spirit, it grows. And it produces fruit in your life. The fruit of success. The fruit of prosperity. The fruit of doing and being what God's called you to do. And there, there are changes that happen effortlessly as the Word works in you. Isn't that good news? It's not willpower, it's Word power. Willpower is just different with different people. Some people have a pretty strong will. Other people don't. But this works for everybody. It'll overcompensate for your will, whether it's strong or weak. The Word of God will help you do what you know you're supposed to do. Amen? All right, then Acts 20, Acts chapter 20, and this is Paul speaking to the Ephesians just before he left them for the last time. And he said this in verse 32, Acts 20, verse 32. He said, So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. So he's leaving them. He said, I'm not coming anymore, but listen, I'm going to turn you over to the word, to God and his word which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. That's powerful. 
the word was able to build you up and able to give you your inheritance. The word. Do you need more of your inheritance? Do you need more of what God has for you? Get in his word. Get in his word. It always comes through the word first. Psalm 107.20 says he sent his word and healed them. He sent his word and healed them. We, don't, we wouldn't think of it that way. We would think he sent his power and healed them, wouldn't we? He sent his anointing and healed them. But that's not what it says. It says he sent his word and healed them. That means the healing word goes out before the healing power. He, you could say he sent his word and saved them. His, his salvation word goes out first. You can't get anybody saved without the word. You've got to give them the word first. The power and the anointing follows the word, confirms the word. But if it weren't for the word, there wouldn't be anything to be anointed for. There wouldn't be anything to pray for. The Bible says that we're saved by the incorruptible seed of the word of God. That means if we brought someone down here and we didn't give them the word, we couldn't get them saved. You can pray all day over them and have them pray all day. But they won't be saved without the word of salvation. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. They've got to have the word first. So God designed the kingdom to work this way. The word comes and then the blessings come to you in word form. You didn't get filled with the Holy Ghost until you knew there was a Holy Ghost. How did you know that? Through the word. The, the entrance of the word brings light. And so the word comes and we are word people. We must be full of the word. Colossians 3.16, he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Well, if it can dwell in you richly, it could dwell in you poorly. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So we need to be speaking the word. And that's kind of what Joshua said, don't let it... It said in Joshua, don't let the word depart or quit coming out of your mouth, but meditate in it day and night. And as you do that, you're chewing on it. You're feeding on it. And, it's, and what's in it's getting into you. It's like nuclear energy. It's radioactive. It changes your life. It changes you and it continues to change you as you feed on it and as you read it. Praise God. Now, now go to 1 Corinthians 3. And, and I want to spend some time tonight focusing on this aspect of feeding on the Word or growing in the Word of God. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse um, 2. No, let's start in verse 1. And really this is what we're talking about when we talk about feeding on the Word and becoming successful and the Word changing us. It's a development. It's a developmental process. And here's, here it is in reverse, in, in verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. Did you know it's possible to be a babe in Christ? To be a spiritual baby? And Paul was dealing with the Corinthians, and he said, I, I wanted to tell you some things and speak to you as, you know, as spiritual, as mature people, but you're babies. He said, I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now you are not able to receive it, and even now you're still not able. When you don't feed on the Word of God regularly and grow in God, then it limits what God can do in your life. It limits what Paul could say to the Corinthians. It limits what your pastor can do to you and for you. It limits what your church can do as a whole. God's not going to let us get into something we're not ready for, grown up enough for. And in spiritual things, it's possible to accelerate your spiritual growth 
slow down your spiritual growth or stop your spiritual growth. It's possible to freeze it and become a carnal baby. And carnal simply means fleshly minded. That means your mind is more focused on the flesh than it is on the spirit. When that's the case, you're going to have problems. If you have a church like that, then it's a church full of babies. Because it's a church that, and our whole culture feeds that kind of thinking and that kind of lifestyle where your mind is focused on the flesh and the things of the flesh, the appetites of the flesh, what I want, what I feel, how, how happy am I, and how do these people, how happy do they make me, and if they don't like something, they go find something else or another family, another marriage, another uh, you know, something to gratify the, the lust of the flesh. That's being carnal-minded. And if you're carnal-minded as a Christian, God can't do much. He can't do what He wants to do with you. Paul said, you were, he said, you're babies. I had to give you milk. So the more we get the Word, the more we grow and the more we can get. We ought to be further down the road now than we used to be. God expects it. God wants it. Then he said in verse 2, you're still carnal. For where there's envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? So there was this, this babyhood state caused strife and envy and division. And that kills a church. That divides a church. It weakens a church. So we must... Uh, you know, we must feed on the words so we can grow. Now, you don't have to work on growing. You just work on eating, right? I mean, that's the way it is naturally. You don't try to make yourself grow. You just eat. But I'm trying to, all I'm trying to do is show you the value of this so you'll be more motivated to do it. Because if all you're doing is reading the Bible every day because I told you to, or your pastor told you to, or you think God expects it, you're not going to get out of it what you need. There is there's a, a goal in this. There's something happening that's supernatural that, that will benefit you and the world around you. And so we must grow. We ought to have our sights set on growing and maturing in God. And it's not as thrilling or as spectacular as you might think. Growing is kind of boring, really. You ever heard somebody say, you know, I, I'd rather watch grass grow? That's pretty boring. They use that as a boring illustration. Growing is just sort of boring because it's slow and it's, it's imperceptible. You don't see yourself growing spiritually or physically. But you stay with it because it's valuable. Notice the Corinthians were babies. They were carnal. They were, Paul couldn't get them together. He couldn't do what he wanted with them. He was frustrated. And it wasn't Paul that was frustrated. It was God that was frustrated. Are you with me now? It was God. Paul was speaking for God. They should have been further along and they weren't. And he was frustrated about it. I don't want to be that church. I don't want to be that person. I want to be where I'm supposed to be in my walk with God, in my spiritual maturity. Then notice in 1 Corinthians 16, we'll turn over there. we got a little time and I'd like to stop here for a minute. In 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 12, notice what Paul wanted to happen. Now the Corinthians were big in the gifts. In fact, a lot of 1 Corinthians deals with Paul's dealing with, with giving them instructions about spiritual gifts because he said they came behind in no gift. They were flowing in the gifts. They were real out there spiritually, you know. They were, they were praying in tongues and prophesying and doing all this in public, and they were actually out of order. And so he was trying to bring order. And, and, but in, in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 12, he says, Now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to come to you with the brethren. He strongly urged Apollos 
to come to the church at Corinth. But he was quite unwilling to come at this time. However, he will come when he has a convenient time. So Paul talked to Apollos and said, go to Corinth. I want you to go to Corinth. And he said, well, I can't. I'm busy. But he made him promise that he would go later. Why was Paul so insistent on Apollos going to Corinth? Does anybody know what Apollos did? Apollos, if you read in the book of Acts, he was a teacher. That's all he was. He traveled around and he taught. He wasn't a prophet. He wasn't an apostle. He was a teacher. And he taught the word of God. And the Bible says he went from church to church and taught the word. And he, he was mighty in scriptures. And he helped the people greatly. What did teaching? Now the Corinthians were flowing in the gifts. They were really far out there when it comes to the gifts of the spirit. They probably would have enjoyed a prophet. Or a miracle worker, an evangelist, somebody to swing from the rafters, maybe a preacher, somebody to get them more stirred up than they already were. That would have probably been more to their liking. But Paul said, I want Apollos to come because what you need, your babies, you need to grow. So what they needed was what? A teacher. And they were going to come in and they weren't going to run, shout, jump, leap, see visions, dream dreams, prophesy. They were going to sit and listen to somebody talk for a long time. And really, when the teaching anointing is strongest, you can go an hour and 45 minutes, two hours. I've done it. I've been in services like that, and I've done it myself. Because when that gift is working in its full expression, then that's what happens. People are drawing, and there's something. Listen, when you come to church, and somebody gets behind the pulpit to open the Word of God, it is supernatural. Something beyond the ordinary is happening in your life, in this room right now, in your spirit, and will affect your future. It will affect the way you live your life, and it's awe-inspiring, and yet it's very ordinary. Almost anything we can do in church, other than the announcements, is more exciting than just teaching the Word. But there's probably nothing more valuable in the life of the believer. Because when we teach, we're helping you get your food. And some people don't get much more than what they get in church. It's not enough, but at least it's more than nothing. Amen. So, so it's important that we realize, uh, turn to Ephesians 4, and we'll look at this in, in uh, Ephesians, same, same truth. And, and also Hebrews 5. Let's go to Hebrews first. Hebrews 5. And hold your place in Ephesians 4. In Hebrews 5, he says the same thing. And I believe Paul wrote Hebrews. He says in verse 12, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God or the Word of God. You've come to need milk and not solid food. Now, you may not have known this, but when you got saved... You started a timeline. And, and you didn't just get a ticket to heaven when you got saved. But God changed you and re gave you a new birth. And he expects you to develop. Do you know that? Not only did he expect it, but he was keeping track. Boy, how would you like that if he came down here with a chart and said, You know what? You got saved in 75. You ought to be here. And you're here. But that's really what he's saying. For though by this time you ought to be teachers. He was keeping up with it. 
But you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracle of God and have come to need uh, milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a baby. (laughs) We just don't need babies in the church. Amen? Because you can't do anything with a church full of babies. Now, it's, it, it, we grow because of our, uh, of our spiritual food. In other words, a wrong diet keeps people from growing spiritually. A wrong spiritual diet. Lack of right teaching and reading the right materials keeps people from growing spiritually. Can you say amen? amen. And, and if, you, if you get into a situation where, where it's just babies... There's just really nothing you can do. In, in most nurseries, you know, when you have a nursery in a church, the objective, if you, went, if you walked by a nursery, it would sound like a construction site. There's loud noises, banging, hammering, things going on in there. But if you look in the door, they're not building anything. And the objective of a good nursery session really is to give every child back to their parents alive. Nobody dies. Success again. And, and, you know, depending on the size of the nursery, there's a, there's a nursery worker or a handful, and they're in there, and they're watching the clock. You know, is it over yet? I hope he doesn't go over today. <laughs> well, I believe some churches are like that. The pastor is just trying to keep anybody from dying. He's trying to keep this group from killing that group. He's trying to keep peace. He's trying not to say anything to offend anybody. He's trying not to cross anybody's line, whatever that might be. And you can't go forward in a church. Listen, we need to grow up. We need to mature in God. And you're not going to do it without the Word of God. You need a good dose of God's Word to grow and mature so that we can be useful and good soldiers in the army of God. The pastor doesn't need to be afraid that if he says the wrong thing the wrong way, half the church is going to get mad. Let's just get over it. Let's grow up and get on with with what God has for us. The only way to grow, you can't will yourself to grow. You have to feed yourself to grow. So feeding on the Word of God does so many things in our lives that you're not aware of at the moment. But spiritual maturity is a must. It's a must. Did you go to Ephesians 4? Let me read that right now. Ephesians 4 and verse 4 says that we should no longer be children. There's quite a bit in the New Testament about babies, children, and, and, and mature believers, isn't there? Maybe more than you, than you realized. Here again in Ephesians, he's saying, I don't want you to be children anymore. Because children are tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love. Or you could say, speaking the word in love, we may what? Grow up. Everybody say, grow up. If you receive the word of God, that's the key to growing up. Receiving the word in truth, not somebody's idea. You don't need to, we should not fill our sermons with politics. We should not fill our sermons with just ideas. It, it's, it's not healthy if a, a preacher uh, would take a text from the, I've seen preachers take a text from the Old Testament and just use a half a verse 
And that's all the words you ever get after that. And the rest of it is, is built on that one text. And there's, that's not a lot of word. You've got you to gotta get the word. Develop an appetite for the word. A hunger for the word. A sensitivity for the word. And look for places where you can get the word. There aren't that many. And you only have so much time, so use the proper amount of time for the Word, feeding on the Word, and watch what it'll do in your life. If you had a six-month-old baby, and we had an altar service, and you brought it to me, said, I'd like prayer for my baby. So what do you need prayer for? I want it to be delivered from diapers. <laughs> These diapers are a curse. They're dirty. And, and I want my baby... Be like a normal person. Would you please pray? Cast that spirit of diaper out. Well, we can't pray for that. You can't be delivered from that. You know the only thing to cure that? You grow out of that. You grow out of it. There are things that we want deliverance from that we're just bent out of shape over. If we just feed on the word and grow a little bit, we'd leave it behind. We just walk right off and leave things behind. But we can be babies and sit around and cry and whine and let somebody else do all the work and expect to be spoon-fed the rest of our lives. And at some point, God's going to expect you to feed yourself. You ought to want more food than you can get here every week. More food than you can get in one place. Before I go on to the practical side, let me, let me give you an illustration. And I, and I don't do this to make fun of a church or talk bad about them. I don't, don't, I don't have any horror stories. But I use this just as an illustration. But I was in church years ago, and, and I was preaching. And, and uh, while I was preaching, about halfway back on the left side, and, and this was the last night of my meeting, about halfway back on the left side, <clears throat> this grandfather had his grandbaby, and he's holding him up and playing with him. Well, if you've never preached in a church or been before people when somebody holds up a baby, I mean, everybody's looking at the baby. And, and I don't blame them. I mean, I'd look at it too. It's cute. And, and, and so he's just playing with this baby. And a few years before that, I was in a service and I was preaching along. And, and on the left side, two young boys, probably seven or eight years old or maybe a little older, were talking. And, and the pastor's sitting on the front, and the ushers are everywhere, and these guys are talking, and they were distracting, and they bothered me. So I wasn't going to say anything about it. They weren't my boys, and, and I figured the pastor was there. He could do something, or the ushers were there. They could do something. So I just ignored them, and I just preached to this side of the church until the service was over. And then when the service was over, uh, I left, and I just felt grieved in my heart. I, I didn't know what happened. I thought I missed it somewhere. Some, something didn't go right. And I just couldn't figure it out. I went over to the pastor's house and we sat down. I said, I'm just grieved over that service. What happened? He said, I'll tell you exactly what happened. I said, what? He said, those two boys talked and they distracted three quarters of the church. And he said, you should have stopped them. I said, well, you should have stopped them. You're the pastor. Huh? I said, why didn't you stop him? He said, well, I was waiting for you to stop him. I said, well, I was waiting for you to stop him. And the ushers were there. Why didn't the ushers stop him? They said, well, they were waiting for you to stop him. And so I prayed about it. I went to my room and I prayed and God spoke to me. And he said, when you're in charge of a service, then it's your responsibility to make, keep order in the service. And if you don't keep order, I'm holding you responsible. 
the buck stops with you. You're the one in charge. Once they turn it over to you, now, I, I can't rearrange furniture and do stuff like that, you know, or do remodeling the church or make those decisions. But if somebody is disrupting my service, I have to be responsible for that. So this guy's over there playing with this baby. I don't want to say anything about it. I don't want to touch that with a 10-foot pole. I'm preaching this way, and all I hear in my mind is, you're responsible for the service. If you don't do something about it, I'm holding you responsible. So I finally stopped. And I said, I told him the story about the two boys and what God told me. And I said, now this baby is cute baby, but pastor, do we have a nursery? He said, oh yeah, we have it. I said, could we take the baby to the nursery? <laughs> the guy looked back. He said, oh brother, we're used to it. Just keep preaching. I said, well, you might be used to it, but you know, half the church is distracted and I'm not used to it and I can't keep my place. I'm hard to be distracted and I'm distracted. So could you please take the baby to the nursery? Well, reluctantly and madly, he took the baby to the nursery. Well, you would have thought I was the Antichrist. <laughs> that, it happened that that man's family ran the church. Oh, I got a call from the sound man who was a friend of mine about two weeks later. He said, you would not believe what they're saying about you at this church. He said, they are still mad about that baby. He said, they have been talking about you and, and saying, and he said, I listened to the tape a dozen times and you didn't say anything rude or mean at all. He said, I don't know what the problem is. I thought, I do. A bunch of spiritual babies. I mean, listen, if you can't get some help in the, just in the normal course of a service, just some quiet, if you can't even make that kind of demands on a church how are you going to get anything done with a church like that? Listen, we're in the army. we got missions to accomplish. we got to stick together. We've got to be strong in the Lord. And you can't be strong if you're, if you're not strong in the Word. It's the Word that's going to make you mature and grow and become somebody God can trust and use and a church that can do something in the body of Christ. Amen. So he took the baby to the nursery and I got peace, you know, in my service. But they criticized me and talked about that for weeks. Now, what happened is not a result of that. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying it showed their state spiritually. A couple years later, that pastor died. He was on up in years, and he, he was ready to go. When he died, that church just blew up. It's gone today. It's completely dissolved. There is no, no body anymore. And it's because it was full of babies. They didn't grow enough to be able to stand together when the pressure was on. You may be able to perform and act like a Christian, but can you do it when the pressure's on? What about your endurance level? You got anything on the inside of you? Willpower enough is not, is not enough. You got to have the Word working in you. And you get that through a daily feeding on God's Word. Amen? Amen. It affects you. Notice this in 1 John Chapter 2. Maybe you've never made this connection before, but I believe it's, it's very important to, to see this. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 5. Whoever keeps his word. Now, keeping his word is simply living his word, living in it, 
having his word live in you, meditating on it, feeding on it, doing what it says. As you keep his word, truly the love of God is what? Perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. The opposite of envy, strife, and division, which is what Paul criticized the Corinthians for, which was a result of immaturity, being babies. The opposite of that is love. Love makes a church work. Love makes your life work. The reason love is so important and, and the, the end result of feeding on the word is your love walk. If you want to find out where you are in your maturity scale, it's going to be measured not by power, not by anointing, not by performance, but by your love walk. Are you with me now? It's very important that you see this. Mature people, people who are developed in the Word of God, will develop in the love of God. Because God is love. So to grow in God is to grow in love. Did you ever see that before? God could have said He was anything. He could say He's power. He could say He's wisdom. He could say He's strength. He's whatever. But he said, it says God is love. If you're going to grow in God, if you work with the Word, if you keep His Word... The love of God is perfected or that's what grows in you. That's what's going to put you over. That's what's going to make you stand in the evil day. That's what's going to help you. Those that are developed in the love of God are not ashamed. You're not afraid. Perfect love casts out fear. As we develop in the word, this, was, this surprised me possibly more than anything I've ever seen in the Bible. That to grow in God is to grow in love. I just thought that Following God and, and serving God, the anointing would just get stronger and stronger until you just glowed in the dark. But what's supposed to develop is your love walk. So that you can work with other people and take criticism and take offense and not let it destroy you. Somebody said it like this. An evangelist was asked by someone, how do I know if this is my church or not? And, and the evangelist says, well, has that church... Uh, have they hurt you? Have they talked about you? Have they betrayed you? Have they stabbed you in the back? And he said, yeah. He said, that's probably your church. <laughs> say, well, why would you say that? Because no church is perfect. God just threw us all in here together and we're not the same. If you had picked your church members, you'd have picked different people. We're all from different backgrounds. We got different ideas. And when you get all these people in the same place, you're going to rub folks the wrong way. And people are going to rub you the wrong way. And, and you might have thought this was heaven, but it's not. We're just, we're just people. I had a secretary work for me one time. And she had, she had five kids that were all under the age of 12. And four of them were boys. And the boys were like two to seven. Four boys. Little boys. And she loved working for me because we put her kids in daycare and she came to work and she just felt like she was out of jail, you know. It's like she was on work parole or something. She was one of the best secretaries I ever had. But we went over to her house and, and, and uh, one time my wife and I, we went over to their house and, 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 and they talked to us and they told us stories, emergency room stories. Uh, about multiple trips they were so excited that that the local doctor moved in next to their house so they just took their boys over next door to get stitches and things when they needed it and and if you walked in their room it looked like it looked like it was there was two sets of bunk beds and nothing else no sharp edges 
nothing that could be for it looked like a prison cell nothing that could be used as a weapon <laughs> nothing on the walls <laughs> and so they just you know told us how it was and, and you know boys hurt each other they do mean things to each other but they're brothers right wouldn't you be shocked if if Say one of those boys went to the parents and said, Mother, Father, I'd like to a word with you in private, please. I just want you to know that I don't feel loved in this family anymore, and I'm going to go find another one. <laughs> I've been spit on, punched, laughed at, sat on, hit, cut, bruised. I just don't feel accepted. <laughs> I'm going to find a family that's more like me well they wouldn't do that why because they might go through all that pain but they're brothers they're family there's a bond there how many of you know that it ought to be in church sure people are going to offend you and not treat you right you know you're going to be underappreciated probably and underpaid or whatever and all these attitudes can arise but you know what we need to feed on the word grow in the word so that we can just let all that stuff go by and be who God's called us to be notice are you in Ephesians we went to first John didn't we go back to Ephesians 4 and notice this I wonder if you've ever seen this before in verse 32 he says be kind one to another tender-hearted forgiving one another even as God in Christ forgave you obviously he's talking about love and forgiveness here right then he goes on now now we go on to chapter 5 but there was no chapter 5 this is a letter it all runs together notice what he says in chapter 5 and the context is love he says in chapter 5 verse 1 therefore be imitators of God as dear children therefore what does that mean he's just talking about forgiveness and love and he says be imitators of God well I've always quoted that verse be imitators of God I always thought we'd imitate God in his power you know, we speak in tongues and we have healing and we have Holy Ghost power and we have Holy Ghost services. Isn't that imitating God? Well, that may be in a sense, but that's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about forgiving one another, being tender-hearted one to another, and then he says, imitate God. In other words, this kind of love is demonstrated by God himself. Notice how he says in verse 2, and walk in what? Love. love. As Christ also has what? Loved us, given himself for us as an offering and sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. He's talking about imitating God in his love walk. If you want to grow in God, you're going to grow in love. If you want to grow in love, you feed on the word of God. And what you'll notice is that your love fruit, your love nature, will begin to develop and control your life more and more. And at some point, I believe, we can grow to the point where we really can literally imitate God in being kind, tender-hearted, forgiving, and, he said, love like Christ who died for us. You want to you know something? The love of God is the most powerful force on earth. There isn't anything that even comes close to it. Think about this. People get critical and they get depressed, sad, wounded because they get hurt right 
and you're hurt because of rejection or anger or whatever people do to you. Some people are just a, a, the sum total of every bad thing that's ever happened to them. They're just a walking disaster. And it's because of what people have done to them. You want to talk about rejection? Think about God. More than half the world that he created doesn't even acknowledge he exists. And many of the others don't like him. They blame him for every bad thing that happens. They don't give him credit for any good thing that happens. And then a lot of people who are in the church go back on him. They end up backsliding, turning against the God they knew and loved and walk away from him. And then they use his name in vain and curse with his name as if they never knew him. God takes that every day from millions and millions of people. But when you go to God, he's not bitter. Man, if he was any less a God, there'd be some days where he'd go, wait just a minute. God is tired today. <laughs> I want to talk to you, I really do, but I have been hurt so much today. I have been turned back by, I've been turned away from by so many people. There was 10,000 people just today who said they'd never leave me that have just gone off and turned away. I just don't think I can take anything else right now. <laughs> Huh? Have you ever heard God say that? Act like that? And you never will. Have you ever failed God? Gone to Him and asked for forgiveness? Did He ever say something like this? You know how many times you've told me this. If you think you're going to walk in here... And ask for forgiveness after what you just did. You're wrong. Now you go sit in the corner. Pay your tithes. And be good for a week. And we'll talk about it. But I am not going to take this again from you. I have had it. Have you ever had God treat you that way? I'm not saying did you ever not have your mother or dad treat you that way. I understand. No, you go to God even after you failed him. And he will receive you with open arms, no questions asked, no strings attached. He will forgive you and accept you and he won't remind you of your mistakes and he'll act as if you never did anything wrong and treat you like you don't deserve to be treated. How does he do that? Love. The love of God is so powerful in God that he's able to absorb infinite amounts of abuse and rejection and remain unchanged and that's what God's love will do in you but you've got to feed it develop it grow in it those who keep the word of God first John 2 5 the love of God is perfected in them how many of you aren't there yet <laughs> but we're as you feed on the word you see you get closer to that and you're able then to take abuse take offense, and remain unchanged. That's power. Power is not revenge. Power is not doing something bad to someone who did something bad to you or holding a grudge. That's not power. That's weakness. Power is able to let it go. Power is able to absorb it 
and receive them and love them as if they never did it. Now, you can tell people to do that, but that's not enough. There has to be some development, something in them that's working, that's bigger and stronger than they are, and it's God's Word. Amen? Amen. To grow in God is to grow in love. There is a purpose behind feeding on the Word of God. We need to feed on God's Word so that we can reach these levels of spiritual development. We desperately need it today. You can't grow unless you feed yourself. Praise God. I believe a lot of the problems and things that we deal with in life would go away if we just simply fed on the Word of God consistently and develop an appetite for the Word. The more you feed on it, the more you're going to want it. And the more it's going to mean to you. It may not mean a lot right now. There are certain seasons in your life where it may seem dry. Just stay with it. Just keep at it. Amen? Yeah. So now, let's go back to Proverbs chapter 4. And we'll talk about how to do this and, and make this practical. We, the age we live in today is called the information age. That's a great age to be in because we're in the information business. Don't let the information age be a detriment to you. Let it be an advantage. In other words, use the technology we have to get more of the word, not less. I said this morning, I don't believe we have more temptations than they've ever had. I believe we have more distractions than any generation's ever had. And the distractions crowd out the word, and then you're in trouble. Well, let's use our information, our technology, for the word. Notice here in Proverbs 4.20, he's going to tell us how to eat, on, eat the word, feed on the word. Here's how you do it. My son, give attention to my words. So you're going to have to give attention to it. It's something that... You need to put in the center of your life, not something you ignore. How many of you have ever ignored the Bible? That's the opposite of giving attention to it. And, and I think one of the reasons we do it is not intentionally, but the reason we do ignore it is because we've heard it. And if you talk about the Bible, you say, yeah, I believe the Bible. I've heard it. I go to church and I hear it preached and I believe it. Yeah, but that's different than giving attention to it in the present tense. Give attention to the word. Incline your ear to my sayings. That means listen to it. Listen to the Bible. Listen to the Word of God. Do not let them depart from your eyes. That means keep it in front of your eyes. That means read it. So give attention to it. In other words, give place to it. Listen to it and read it. Keep them in the midst of your heart. So you, you're supposed to be meditating on them. In other words, it ought to be in the center of your mind. You're going to have to make some changes to do this but you don't have to have any more time to do it because you're talking about things all day and thinking about things all day already just include the word in that and you don't have to exclusively talk about the word but just make time for it give attention to it you don't have to you, you don't have to come up with more hours in the day to do this just take the word with you wherever you go make sure that when you go you're going to you're going to be using the word of God Speaking the Word of God. Listening to the Word of God. Listen, we've got... Technology has given us CD players, radios, iPods. Use that. Put the Word in those things. 
Put the Word in them and feed yourself the Word during the day. It's cool to have an iPod on now. I go to the gym, I take my iPod and I have my earphones and everybody thinks he's with it. He's one of us. Yeah, I got Kenneth Hagin on there. And I listen to Kenneth Hagin all the while I'm working out. Say, well, why do you listen to Kenneth Hagin? Because he preached the Word. I know what I'm going to get when I listen to him. I don't have to sift through it. It's not half ideas and half theology and half word and half unbelief. It's good stuff. So I feed on that. And I got it, you know, you, so you put it in your iPod. Put good CDs in your CD player. We, you can get DVDs now. There's Christian television. Beware. Find the good ones and listen to them. So, well, why don't you just tell us who to listen to? Develop your own spirit. Develop the, your sensitivity for the Word. And you'll know who to listen to. Don't listen to the ones that excite your mind. Listen to the ones that feed your spirit. It may not be the most sensational, but they'll be the most uh, life-changing. It'll do you the most good. Now, I'm not saying you can't ever watch anything that doesn't have the Word in it or ever listen to anything that doesn't have the Word in it. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying we need to get... You don't eat food all day long. But you got to eat enough. You better eat some. And I believe we need more than we've had. So get on the television. That'd be a good test. Get on there and listen to a few programs. Say, you know what? There's not much word in that one. I listened to that whole thing and I didn't see much. It didn't really hit me here. And just because everybody's following it doesn't mean it's full of the Word. And if it's not, it'll fail. It may not fail at first, but it will fail if it's not built on the right foundation. So, use the technology. <laughs> keep your Bible, keep a Bible, by the toilet. Some of you could read a whole chapter on the toilet. Some of you could read a whole book. <laughs> Just keep it there. You never know. <laughs> I don't think God cares if you if you use that time like that. <laughs> That shouldn't be your only devotional time, but. <laughs> Turn to Deuteronomy 6. <laughs> I didn't want to include toilet humor in my sermon, but it seems to have come out. But I'm serious about putting it there. Put it other places. And just keep Bibles around so that when you have a minute. You know, you can read Ephesians in about five or six minutes. You can read Galatians in probably five minutes or less. You can read Colossians in less than five minutes. There's a lot of food in those books. There's super nutrients in those books. I mean, if we could turn this into health food, we could make a lot of money. You know how much money they make on bottles full of minerals and supplements and this has got stuff that'll do more for you than a thousand bottles of supplement. It'll change your life for good. 
Notice how practical he is in Deuteronomy 6. I just love this. Uh, in Deuteronomy 6 and verse 6, he says, These words which I command you today shall be in your heart. So he's about to tell us how to put the word in our heart. Now, listen, it doesn't just happen because you come to church. You've got to practice this. I would say it's work. It's not really work. It's just different habits. You can train yourself to think the word and talk the word, and we need to do that. But notice how he says to do it. These words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. That means you need to teach the word in your house. And that might be frightening to some of you. Maybe you've never done that before. Maybe you don't consider yourself a preacher. You don't have to be a preacher. Just read the Bible in your house to your family. If you're the head of the house, take the Bible out and say, Hey, we're going we're gonna to read the Bible. Just come sit down let's read the Bible. Don't read it for two or three hours. Because you'll, you'll, you'll be torturing your family with the Word. We don't want to do that. Just read a chapter or two chapters out of the Bible. Preferably the New Testament. Read and, and, and read along, and, and if God gives you something, or you, if you have some comments to make along the way, stop and make some comments. You don't have to study and prepare for this. You don't have to make notes and study Greek words. Just read the Bible to your children. What he's saying here is children's church alone is not enough. You do some Bible reading in your own. That tells your children that the Bible is important. We don't just do it at church, but it's part of everyday life, and it's important enough to sit around and do that at home. Read a couple chapters. If you don't get any comments or get any input from God or don't get any revelation, just keep reading. And when you're done, maybe you can ask questions or ask if anybody has any questions. It doesn't have to be a long time, but just, just incorporate it. Then he says, he says this, Verse 7, you shall teach them diligently to your children and talk of them when you sit in your house. God knows that you're going to spend time sitting in your house. First thing I did when I got a house was I bought a chair. And I got my chair that goes in my house. And it's just like I like. It fits me just fine. And there's a table and a lamp beside my chair. And when I'm home, I go sit in my chair. And God knew I was going to. He said, when you sit in your house... He didn't mind you sitting in your house, but talk about the Word. You talk about other things, talk about the Word when you're sitting in your house. When you walk by the way, today we drive, so when you're driving, talk about the Word. If you're walking, talk about the Word. Just work it in. When you lie down at night, talk about the Bible. When you rise up in the morning, talk about the Word. Now, in order to do that, it to, to kind of prime the pump or get yourself started. When you do your Bible reading in the morning, and, and what I've done for years is, is I've started in Romans. Now, I read other things. In fact, I'm reading the Bible this year. I thought I'd read the whole thing. But, 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 but normally, and just on a regular basis, I start at Romans, and I read through to Jude. That's the epistles. Those are the letters written to the church. It doesn't take, you know, you can, I just do so many, five or ten chapters at one sitting, and, and that's it. And in about a week or two, you'll read through the, all the epistles. And then I just start again. And I just go right back through Romans and through to Jude and just keep going like that. And then I do other things, but that's my, that's my main course. I make sure I get that. And as you're reading five chapters or ten chapters, whatever you feel comfortable with, be listening. Don't just read it half asleep or just mouth the words. Be listening. And when a verse seems to speak to you, write it down. Amen. That's what you're going to talk about. 
Take it with you. Because if you read it and then you close it, we're so good at compartmentalizing things. You know, that's my devotion. That's breakfast. This is work. This is recreation. This is family time. This is sleep. Everything is done, but everything's separate. What he's saying here is the word needs to bleed over into all the compartments. Well, if you don't write it down, I'll promise you, in an hour's time after you leave your devotional time, you'll forget what that verse was. And when you are reminded to talk about the word, you won't think of one scripture to talk about. Hmm? I mean, you won't be able to think, you know, Jesus wept. Is that a scripture? You won't be able to think of one scripture. So if you write it down and bring it with you, you can remind yourself and you can t- bring it up. Ephesians 1.3, blessed, uh, uh, he's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. God has blessed us with all spirit. You know we're blessed, aren't we? We're blessed with all spirit. Sometimes we don't feel blessed, but we are blessed because the Bible says we're blessed. We're not just blessed with some blessings. We're blessed with all spiritual blessings from heaven. I'm such a blessed person. I'm blessed coming in and blessed going out. I'm blessed, blessed, blessed. And now I'm starting to feel blessed. But it's not based on feelings. The word says it, and I believe it. I'm blessed. The Bible says I'm blessed. I'm blessed with all spiritual blessing. And then you see, you get that, and then later on in the day, hey, are you blessed? I'm blessed. You know the Bible says we're blessed. You just you can just bring it up. It doesn't have to be overwhelming, overpowering. It's not preachy, but just feed on the word. Feed on it. Make it a part of your everyday experience. Can you do that? Now, just as an example, and we're going to close here, but just go to Ephesians one. And I'm just going to give you an example of what I'm talking about. When it comes to spiritual food and the quality or the level of nutrients in any given verse or chapter, you'll find that, that the, the epistles are rich in, in spiritual nutrition. And it's because they were designed especially for the church. So let's just start in Ephesians 1.3. I just read that verse or, or quoted it. Let's read it. And, and we'll start at Ephesians 3 and just go down a few verses. And there's so much here. I mean, you couldn't even read the whole chapter. You don't even need to. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing. Verse 4, Just as He chose us in Him, God chose us in Him him before the foundation of the world before there was anything God chose me God knew me God wanted me God wants me I'm chosen right now not only am I chosen I'm blessed I'm blessed with all spiritual blessings and I'm chosen I'm not rejected I'm chosen I'm a chosen one chosen by God you ever been on the playground and they choose up teams and nobody wants you (laughs) Well, God chose you first. I choose you. There was no world. There was no universe. There was no stars. There was nothing. And God said, I choose you. Boy, that'll affect your day. That'll help your day. He chose us before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him. And I'm holy and without blame. God made me that way through Jesus Christ. I'm blessed. I am chosen. And I'm holy. And I'm blameless. I'm starting to have a good day. How could you not? 
when you put that in. The newspaper's not going to tell you this. The latest novel's not going to tell you this. You're not going to hear this on secular radio, but you can find it in the Word of God. Now, we've only done two verses. Verse 5, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. It was the Father's good pleasure to adopt me. He chose me, and he didn't just leave it at that. He adopted me. He says, I don't just want to know you. I want to adopt you. I want you to be my family. Isn't that great? You are adopted. He adopted us as sons, not servants, but sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Well, he's accepted us now. Now we're accepted, adopted, chosen, forgiven, holy, blameless, and blessed. Can you feel that down there? Does that add strength in your spirit? That's what you're looking for. That's what you're looking for. You don't have to shout and swing from the rafters, but you need that, that spiritual connection. And you don't get it unless you slow down, and you don't get it unless you're feeding on something with some value in it, some food value in it. Right? I mean, you can do this with a newspaper, and it won't do that to your spirit. But these words are spirit and life. There's something in these words that needs to get in you. Amen. Verse 7. In him we have redemption. Whew. We've been redeemed. Bought back. Bought out from under the curse. Bought out of slavery. We've been redeemed through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. That's rich. That's food for your spirit. I can't even tell you what all that does for you. I don't know what all that does. But it gets in there and it's doing what it's supposed to do in your life. You can't have success without it. Not Bible success. You can't grow without it, not spiritually. Amen? Amen. According to the riches of His grace, which He made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. You say, well, I just don't understand all that. You don't even have to understand it all. Just read it slowly. Focus on it. Think about it. Meditate on. So meditation is like chewing. You need to say it. You need to use your mouth. Don't just do all your Bible reading in silence. But, but read some words out loud. Write them down. You could write this word down for tomorrow. He, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. You could write that out and just look at that and say, God chose me before the foundation of the world. And you could talk to people about that. Boy, and you know what will happen is that word will get built into you. And somebody down the road will talk about rejection and that will come out. And you'll say, hey, you know what? I'm not rejected and you're not rejected. God chose you. God loves you. 
And the world is so negative and so full of unbelief and so full of secular thinking that the word of God coming out of your mouth would be like a lightning bolt. Catch them completely off guard. People have never heard such good things as are in this book. And they never will if you don't get it in your heart because they're not going to read it. But you put it in you and you feed on it and let it become a part of you and begin to grow and you'll be amazed at what God can do for you and through you and how your life will change before your very eyes. I truly believe that this is God's method for spiritual maturity. It's not just doing the right thing for long enough. It's simply just feeding on the Word of God. Amen? Have your mind renewed. The Bible says put on uh, the new man. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Well, how do you do that? You do it through through the Word of God, putting the Word of God in. Praise God. Did you get anything out of that? I know it's not spectacular, but I tell you, it's, it's, if you'll put this into practice, it will do what it said it'll do. You know, this is one of the few times when I can't preach and have you come forward and lay hands on you for whatever I preached on. I can't do this. I can't, I, 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 I sort of, uh, illustrated it best I could just now, but this is something you just have to do. Just do it. Would you do it? Can you see how it doesn't demand your more of your time? Just use the time you have differently. Make a place for it. Would you stand with me? Hallelujah. Glory to God. I just I'm happy tonight in my spirit. I'm happy because I believe God showed me this for for my benefit and for your benefit as well. And, and I'll tell you what, I haven't done this the way I'm going to. I haven't put it into practice the way I'm going to. And I'm just looking forward for great things ahead. I'm going to make my way prosperous and have good success. Amen. I'm going to grow out of some things and grow into some things. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Close your eyes with me. Father, we love you so much. We're so thankful for the, for the word. We want to be word people. Experience you through your word. Smith Wigglesworth said, I can't get to know God through my feelings. I can only get to know God through his word. Help us to have that kind of attachment, commitment to the word. Hallelujah. Help us to be like the psalmist who said, I rejoice over your word as one who has found great spoil. Let us have a love and a passion for the word. And we can't get that without feeding on it. But Lord, as we feed on it, our appetites will change. Our priorities will change. Our sense of, of right and wrong and our, our understanding of the world around us will change as we begin to see what you see and feel what you feel as the love of God is developed in us and through us perfected as the word says we'll act different we'll think differently we'll talk differently we'll respond to people in a different way from a different level we'll operate from a position of strength and not weakness from a position of wisdom not ignorance we'll let our tongues be seasoned with salt that we may have grace to know how to answer every man 
as we let the word of Christ dwell in us richly in all wisdom and understanding speaking to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody in our heart to the Lord we'll hide our words in your heart that we may not sin against you For they are spirit and they are life. They're life to those that find them and health to all their flesh.